Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. It is Friday, January 6th, and you're listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. My name is Rich Larson, and my co-host for today's show is Bruce Moreland, a vocal advocate in the Conservative Caucus for Climate Change. And by Conservative Caucus, I mean pretty much any Conservative Caucus you want to go find. Uh, Our show is dedicated to the honest, frank, and open discussion of public policy issues running the gamut from national and international topics to others that are very local. Today, we are going to discuss a topic that is both national, local, and maybe a little historical as well, as we discuss the former Rice County dump, which is now under the jurisdiction of the Environmental Protection Agency as part of the Comprehensive Environmental Response and Liability Act, better known as a Superfund site. Our guest today is Glenn Castor. He is he served two terms as a supervisor in Bridgewater Township and then stepped away in 2012. However, he was appointed back to the Board of Supervisors in 2018 and has since been re-elected. Glenn is, uh, also serves on the Northfield Area Fire and Rescue Service Board of Directors, where he's currently the treasurer and chair of the personnel committee, although that might not be up-to-date information because there's an organizational meeting coming up in the next couple of days. That's right. Yep. In the next few days, we'll uh, select maybe a new treasurer, a new chair, new <laughs> new leadership. It's <laughs> what happens every year, right? Uh, Glenn has been a successful entrepreneur and is the former vice president of uh, the Cyber Optics Corporation in Golden Valley. He's a graduate of Swarthmore College in Pennsylvania and spent two years in the United States Army and Glenn. Congratulations. You now also have the distinction of being the first two-time guest on Public Policy this week. Well, that's a wonderful (laughs) distinction to have. (laughs) Thank you very much for being here. I have to jump in and say that in the sense of leadership, I understand your name has been submitted to be a house speaker. I have you, no votes yet, but I'm hopeful. You, you got you got my vote, Glenn. That's for sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Indeed. Well, I'm going to start the story off today by telling a personal story about dumps, and in particular, I grew up visiting my grandfather's farm back in the day, and you know, mid-century, last century, and I remember the state-of-the-art dump that he had, and it was a pile of old tractor parts and appliances and beds and bikes and broken bottles and cans and we played right there to see you know because that was part of the background and i remember the rare trip to the county dump and again it was a county dump where we kids would hope for treasures and you know pile through the broken stuff while dad was trying to empty stuff into the dump and so i'm nowadays i'm kind of accustomed to having my trash picked up and hauled away by magicians and having the (laughs) landfill for bigger stuff like dressers and stuff like that. The Rice County dump fits on this spectrum somewhere. So, Okay, before we talk about the Rice County dump, um, I think it would be a good idea if one or both of you guys could explain to our listeners what is a Superfund site. So a, a Superfund site is a uh, a site with toxic materials. Okay. That's what it comes down to. Right, right. Okay. And uh, it, so so uh, in the, in this case we're talking about the former Rice County dump, mm-hmm. a place where things were collected. Uh, right. It could also be uh, an industrial area. Sure. Like where uh, former like, manufacturing site that's that's right. Something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I think the, probably the most famous Superfund site is probably Love Canal. I yes. don't know. Probably a lot of people. I'm dating myself here. A lot, a lot of people don't remember even Love Canal. Uh, but in the forties, fifties, sixties, into the seventies, there was just not a whole lot of regulation. If I if I'm understanding this right, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, when it came to where do companies dump their chemicals, and and so the uh, what do we what what is the the Comprehensive Environmental Responsibility and Liability Act was was put together, and that 
sort of oversee that allows the EPA to oversee now these these sites. Is that am I do I have that right, Bruce? That's reasonably so. Yeah. The uh, the thing about a Superfund site, I think that is important to remember is back in the old days when we didn't think about a lot of things, mm-hmm. uh, the solution to pollution was dilution. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we've we've been used to dumping our tailings into the river. And having it flow downstream, you might mm-hmm. remember there was a big stink about Dundas dumping stuff into the river yeah. and Northfield having to put up with it for right. a while. Um, but that was it. We, we dump stuff into the river, and when it goes out into the, uh, like the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. or the Car- you know, that area and, and mm-hmm. pollutes the water down there, it's out of sight, out of mind for us. Right. And so these Superfund sites, a lot of times were the price we paid for having real advantage. There's a wooded area that was a farm at one time, and the farmer had a uh, his own gravel pit mm-hmm. that he dug. And then at some at some point, uh, that, roughly 1964, uh, that started to be used as a dumping site, which was an advance. I mean, it was an improvement over what had been done before that. Sure, which was d- drop stuff along the riverbanks, literally. Right. Right. Where there used to be an informal dump site where Walgreens is now. True. Okay. So this was a sort of a more structured, organized place, but it's on private property and, mm-hmm. and uh, run by a person uh, who was also happened to be a county employee. Okay. So uh, at the time, we had some uh, companies operating here which used some fairly nasty Mm-hmm. Chemicals. Yes. So that was uh, Sheldahl and 3M right. primarily. Right, right. <clears throat> so uh, trucks would pick up 55-gallon drums full of stuff from those places, take it out, and it gets dumped into the gravel pit, and some dirt gets pushed over it. And, and that's that. That's that. Uh, but then, the, then there was also regular trash pickup in Northfield that's, mm-hmm. that started around that time. With garbage trucks coming around, as Bruce says, magically it disappears, <laughs> and and they would dump there. Right. Uh, so this went on for about ten years. Okay. So 1974 is when the current Rice County landfill was opened, and this was, uh, I'll say, informally closed. It was never it was never a formal dump, in the sense that that uh, Rice County permitted it or. Mm-hmm. It the, just the township permitted it or anything. It, it just, just happened. was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was an improvement, as I said, over over <laughs> randomly dumping stuff along <laughs> along the river or just letting it sit. Right. Right. So now this is located. You you, you talk, the the gravel pit. This is located uh, the gravel pit on Highway Three in between Northfield and Faribault. Right. It's just north of that. Right. And and so almost a kind of across Highway 3 from where the current landfill is. No. No. It, it, it's, a, it's a little, it's a little no, farther north. A little farther north than that. Okay. From that. But it, right. it's, uh, it's about 17 acres. Uh, it's an MPCA, okay. Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, super fun site. Yep. Uh, they've put in about 12 monitoring wells, which... So the monitoring wells are keeping track of what's what's happening in the groundwater okay. because that's the issue with this. It's right. not right. It's not fumes coming out. Sure, it's stuff in the water moving toward the river, which is ominous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unpleasant. Yes. Yes. So these monitoring wells are are read at least annually. Okay. And uh, all the information's right. available on online. Do they, does the uh, um, Pollution Control Agency, do they uh, give you and Bridgewater Township a report of what's going on, or do you just have to kind of, do we have to go to the MPCA and, and, and figure out where we are with this stuff? Uh, we, we can go online and, and look at the actual data okay. for what they find in the wells. Not being chemists, that's not very useful. <laughs> in, roughly in 2010, 2011, uh, the township learned that the Department of Employment and Economic Development mm-hmm. has a brownfield cleanup fund. Okay. 
The township also has money from the current landfill, gets money from the current landfill, which can be used for landfill cleanup. Okay. Remediation. Sure. Including including this uh, site. Okay. All right. So at that point, we sort of learned how this whole process works uh, with MPCA and getting information. Okay. And that was in 2010. That was just 12 years ago. That's right. All right. That's okay. right. All right. I think I have... I think I have, I, I'm, I, I, as I told both of you guys before we started the show, I'm the guy of the day to ask the dumb questions. You guys are going to talk at the higher level, but I just need to make sure I understand all the, all the, the fundamental stuff. So anyway, Bruce. Well, I, I have driven through Gary, Indiana and rolled up my windows when I went through, not wanting to breathe the fumes that were there. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that there's no fume plume off of the <laughs> Rice County dump that I can drive down that road without having to roll up my windows and speed, right? Um, the, the question would be, uh, you, you mentioned the groundwater plume. Can you give us an idea of what some of the chemicals might be in there and how big it is and, and who's affected most directly? Well, these, these, these are, uh, I, I, can t- I can tell you what the MPCA reports say. I'm not a chemist. Right, that's, that's enough. But these are uh, polyfluorochloroalkalides. <laughs> so they're, and they break down into other chemicals. Uh, some of them are known carcinogens. Some of them are classified as likely carcinogens. Okay. Uh, right now, there's there's really one residence uh, across three, uh, Casey Betzel's place, mm-hmm. uh, which is affected by this. Oh, so I, I think in the uh, around, so years ago the MPCA put a filtering system in to his to that house. Steve Albers was the owner at the time. And his wife does understand all the chemistry, Kathy Larson. <laughs> She's a scientist for the uh, uh, Metropolitan Council, <clears throat> now retired. Uh, so they put the filtering system in to take care of the plume. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in 2019, they discovered sort of one of the breakdown chemicals, which is uh, dioxin, which is very toxic, at higher levels it's, it, than are permitted, much higher levels. So it's supposed to be one part per billion. It was probably a hundred times that. Wow. <clears throat> so now the MPCA supplies bottled water to that household. Oh, okay. Because they they can't effectively filter it. Right. So yeah. the, so that's the that's the only household I know of that's directly affected are there are are there is there potential for other households to be affected as these these chemicals sort of creep toward the river uh probably one maybe two others okay Uh, but this is a largely agricultural area sure uh they test wells from residences uh probably within a mile Mm mm-hmm all, all around and have not found contaminants. Okay. Uh, Another dumb question. The agricultural area with the chemicals in the soil, how does that affect the agriculture that is right there? I mean, are, are there, are there, I don't even, are there farms there? Are people trying to grow things there? Do we know this? So in, on the, on the, Former dump site itself, yeah, which is about seventeen twenty acres. There's no farming happening. Okay, and farming would not be allowed right. on that the way it is right now. Okay, uh, there are farms around it. Yep, there are wells that are tested. Okay, and they're not f- finding any okay pollutants moving All right. toward those areas. Right. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. When we worked with the Department of Employment and Economic Development, the plan we came up with and that they suggested was capping the former dump with with a clay cap rather than digging everything out okay. and moving it. And then it could be used as an industrial site 
for, uh, as long as you're not digging down and interesting putting a basement in it. So interesting. Forth. Okay. Cool. Uh, so you could put a solar farm there. You could put a windmill there. You could put uh, a trucking business. Right. Just there, d- those, don't, those things. Don't put anything below ground level. Right. Basically. Okay. Right. I wonder if I would even want to burn tree, you know, wood that had been from trees that were growing there, or if they would have brought some of that stuff back up. And I, I have no idea what. They I don't. Know, I don't know either, but I'd be nervous if I was there. Yeah. Um, there, that I wanted to expand a little bit on that compromised well. Uh, I want the listeners to visualize three glasses of, you know, three canisters the size of your water heater lined up, feeding one into the next into the next. And my understanding is when the the worst of those three gets too filthy or polluted to use, you remove it, you move the other two over and stick a clean one at the end again. And the water that comes that, so you're always putting the cleanest one closest to the the water supply or to the house. Sure. To the draw. And my understanding is you can't use that water for cooking or anything like that. That's why they have to get bottled water, but they are allowed to use it for washing and routine stuff, but I, I don't know if that's true. The, the point being, though, that they have three canisters and it still doesn't clean it up enough. These are these charcoal filters. And those that's part of the filtration system that you were, you were, you were talking yeah. about. Yeah, I, so. I don't know what the... <clears throat> I'd heard, I think I talked with Kathy about it, and she okay. described to me this whole process of how they had to have three canisters and still couldn't drink the water. So Yeah. All right. Um, what was the... We talked about the containment or that plume i have another story about the plume and i probably have shared this with you but when i was talking to the Northfield, when i was on the climate action planning advisory board and i was talking to the water department in northfield um i asked them about that plume and you know what their answer was the plume is on the other side of the river we don't care they think the river will once it reaches the river it'll just go downstream to lake billsby like some other stuff has gone down to Lake Billsby, but they don't think it'll cross the river to get to their water. <laughs> Rich has got an astonished look on I, his face. That that is a troubling answer. I'm, I'm, we're not supposed to we're not supposed to editorialize on this show, but that's a troubling answer. Yeah, well, that was what I got out of the water department when I was asking him about. Okay, that. interesting. All right. So one one of the things I'll, I'll mention here is, uh, I mean, we're talking about. Super fun site, and, yeah. and clearly uh, it's an undesirable situation, so forth. So both both the U.S. government and the state of Minnesota have sp- special funds set aside for cleaning up these sites. Mm-hmm. So in Minnesota, uh, access is, is – there's two, two really sources to access. One is the Department of Employment and Economic Development, which has a dedicated brownfield cleanup fund. And the other is the Minnesota Pollution Control Agency, mm-hmm. which also has a cleanup fund. Um, one of the things we discovered <clears throat> when we worked with the Department of Employment and Economic Development back in 2011-2012 was that their brownfield cleanup money goes only to counties or cities. Oh, so here we are as a township. Right. We had a candidate company to locate there if, mm-hmm. if we can get the cleanup money and so forth. Uh, the problem was, was we needed the money to flow through a city. Sure. Either North Northfield or the county, Rice County. It has has the, the county been... Um, um open to working with you on this? They, they weren't at the time, but they are now. Okay. So we have, Glad I would say, that. a handshake agreement with the county. Okay. Uh, that, that if the opportunity comes up, the money would flow through the county. For the deed money, there's a 25% uh, contribution required from the local government, which would be the township. Sure. And we have that money. Mm-hmm. As a result of the the funds that we get annually now from the Rice County landfill, okay. So the township would be making up the twenty five percent. Deed would be making up seventy five percent. 
Okay. So that side of things could could work. And you like you just said, you've got a candidate company that might want to actually put on be, be on that site. So this could actually become. That, and that's actually, one of the reasons we yeah. put this in our industrial area. Gotcha. So okay, all right. Now the other complication I'll mention here is is that the land is privately owned. Oh yeah. So it's still owned by the family that operated it. His the father operated it. He's he's long gone. But so okay. so the deed money also comes with a restriction that the current owner of the property cannot profit right from the use of the deed funds right so so the uh, the 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 superfund uh act the uh the the uh comprehensive environmental response and liability act that doesn't act like uh uh um oh what's the governmental term when they just sort of take your land Eminent domain. Uh, imminent, so it doesn't act under eminent domain or anything like that. The private property remains private property. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's something I didn't realize. That's right. So one thing that, that can happen is is that the land could be purchased by the township or by another, by a business. By a candidate business. And the MPCA will give a letter uh, removing them from liability. Okay. So, so the MPCA legally or at this point has the right to go back to 3M or the successor to Sheldahl mm -hmm. and say, you need to pony up pony to up. clean this up. Right. Uh, they've got many other things on their plate that are more recent and bigger. So that's right. uh, unlikely to happen, I think. Yeah, this is just 17 acres in the middle of a rural township that has little political power at the state level, and even yeah. less at the federal level. <laughs> well, but not we're, the, working not that on, we're working on it, Bruce. We're working on it. I know, I know. That's why we have you here. Um, can I take a break here to tell you that you are listening to Public Policy This Week on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting from downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Bruce Moreland, and alongside me is my co-host, Rich Larson, and we are talking with Supervisor Glenn Castor about the future of the Rice County Dump. So, we've talked a little bit about remediating the dump, and I know that there have been some really formal studies. Can you give us some ideas of what the strategies are for fixing the dump? I mean, why don't we just pick, dig all that up and take it to the existing landfill and call it a day? Let the landfill do what it's supposed to do. Well, it, that's a very expensive solution. Okay. Uh, I mean, we're, we're in 2011, the estimated cost of that solution was about $10 million. Well, that... When the reason... <laughs> Bridgewater Township doesn't just have that lying around? <laughs> <laughs> neither, neither really does Northfield or Rice County. Right. Yeah. So the... And the issue, part of the issue is... You don't just dig it up and take it over to the current landfill. You take it to a special landfill where it is all treated, uh, typically some high-intensity burning. Uh, so you, you, try, you try to get rid of the chemicals, don't mm -hmm. just move them to another place. Mm -hmm. So you're incinerating them at a high enough temperature that you're breaking down all those nasty chemicals. That's, and, that's uh, right. That's right. So that's drives the expense way up if you choose to dig it up. Uh, the, the alternative is to cap it, put a clay cap over it, and limit the kind of uses that land can be put to. Okay. okay. And that's, that in 2011 was about a $2 million solution. Yeah, this might be a good point to, to point out the difference between a Rice County dump and the Rice County landfill. What does a landfill do differently that we trust them more with our garbage? Well, I think, I mean, the landfill is run very professionally. Well, the landfill is where the magicians live, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with so the dragons. So right. the Rice County landfill, which is, again, off just off of Highway 3 uh, on the way to Faribault, uh, is, is managed by Rice County and overseen by the MPCA. They are very careful about what they put in there and, and what they 
forced to go to other more appropriate sites if it's if it's a problem with toxicity or or anything else uh, the former rice county dump was not managed at all in a yeah i mean this wasn't a rice even though on the mpca website it's called former rice county dump it wasn't managed by rice county it existed in Rice County. <laughs> <laughs> well, d- dump doesn't exactly sound like a formal term anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I think it's really a night and day type of situation. Uh, I, I have to ask a question that uh, takes a little dig here. I understand that the – Do you have you ever seen a flyer from Northfield that said, you can move to Northfield, we have a dump? Yes. Yeah, we we actually have a, a copy of that. Uh that's probably from the it was probably from the late 60s. Uh, and and in my opinion, it was an improvement over the situation in Northfield 10 years before. Yeah. Yeah. When there was no local place, you just okay, you dump your 55-gallon drum of whatever into the river and Dilution. (laughs) Solution is dilution. We're we're 60, 70 years on from that, but it's still kind of, it just, it makes my skin crawl a little bit just to think about that. That, that It feels, I mean, it's only 70 years ago, but it feels prehistoric. Yeah. It it really does. And and having grown up with grandpa's dump in his backyard and having traveled to third world countries and seeing how not having good garbage disposal processes can lead to really ugly ditches i mean mm-hmm. it's because that's where you dump stuff and in fact kind of talking off the script here but i know that the 35 dollar disposal fee for a washer or a dryer or whatever the county is charging is still pretty steep when you're so poor that you can't afford that the ditch is an attractive place to put that does has the township had a lot of experience with people using the ditches because they can't <laughs> afford the, the landfill we, I, all townships have experience with people using the dishes, ditches, and <laughs> here's a television set, and here's a bunch of bags with old diapers. I mean, it's it runs the gamut. Uh, but the, I mean, the township has done, Bridgewater Township has done something constructive in that direction. So re- recently, we had somebody move into the township from St. Paul, uh, bought the land. They tore down the house that was there and they're going to build their own. And as they start digging, they find piles of old batteries. Oh. I mean, not like six, like 50. Wow. Uh, And old tires and and bed springs, (laughs) the, the gamut. Yeah. And of course, some of the neighbors knew, oh yeah, that that's been... People have dumped stuff there for years. No surprise. So, so the, the it person... Becomes, it person, becomes an, ar- an archaeological dig. Then, yeah, like, you have to get yeah. a permit. So right. the, the person who uh, bought the land is, is taking loads of stuff to the landfill mm-hmm. and paying extra for some of wow. it to be processed. And it, so he asked the, the township, you know, can you help me with some of this? And the township said yes. So we are we are paying. I mean, he's done now, and he's building his house. But there, I don't know how many loads went to the dump. It wouldn't surprise me if it was twenty, to, twenty-five to, 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 to the landfill. To the landfill, yeah, yeah, just yeah. just to where, just so, I, <laughs> right. just so I, I'm, I'm keeping my yeah, 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 uh, going to the landfill, yeah. and the and these these are large trucks. Going, yeah. this isn't a pickup load, uh, and. Uh, so the town, the township passed a resolution saying, "Yeah, you submit the landfill invoice to us, and we will reimburse you." As a way of encouraging people mm-hmm. and avoiding the problem that you say, you know, somebody is gets inherits the family farm, and and there is the pile of old parts and and old washing machines and. Yeah. so forth you clean up and, yep. and it is expensive yep. to haul that stuff away I, I found a really cool piece of piece of antique glass in my backyard along what used to be the county road 
and I'm suddenly wondering if there are treasures in that ditch. Or, 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 dig, dig it up, Bruce, and find out. Go right a back home and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'll, uh, the solution to some pollution is ignoring yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not digging. All right. So the, the remediation then that you're thinking is most likely is to cap it with clay and, and keep the water. Because the problem is, correct me if I'm wrong, rainwater falls on the land goes through that chemical sludge and carries it into the water table. That's right. And so if you put a cap over the top... Uh, You're greatly reducing... Greatly reduce the rate. Yeah. So The rate at which that plume moves. Okay. Because you're reducing the amount of water coming down and pushing it out. Has the MPCA actually uh, determined how much time we have before those chemicals reach the river? I'm putting you guys on the spot. I know that's not, it. not in anything we've we've seen. Okay. Uh, in 2010, the township paid Landmark Environmental to do what's called a Phase One study mm-hmm. of that site. The MPCA had had done that about a decade earlier, also. Okay. And out out of out of that study there was some i would call it almost guesswork right as, as to what what's going to happen there yeah, okay All right. but no we don't really have any any uh quantitative information from the mpca saying you, you expect this plume to reach the river in 2040 or sure i'm 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 curious do we know how deep that plume is running is it basically surface water or you know groundwater as opposed to deep water uh i believe i believe they do know that through the monitoring wells they and know. and it is it is essentially the groundwater right which is kind of the, the stuff above i mean we've got the jordan aquifer we've got all these we we talk about all these aquifers but there's this kind of layer above the aquifer levels, if you will. This, the Saint Peter, yeah, uh, sandstone. Yes, that yeah. for some people that's where their well goes. For us at home, that's where our well goes. We don't mm-hmm. go yeah. down to the Jordan. Yeah, I think I go down to the. Well, I used to go down to the, and the problem was the water was so toxic with minerals. Natural, naturally occurring minerals. That so I it's not toxic, but it has toxic. a lot of iron and a lot yeah. of manganese. Right, and in it, which 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 means you do need to filter it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't taste good. You don't feel good when you get out of the shower. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no. And if you splash some of it on your car, you end up with a permanent. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that on one of my cars. Yeah. Wow, it just etched it. So anyway, um, let me see what we've got going here. So oh, so the township's strategy at this point is we've recently created a rural industrial zone, which includes this site, this Superfund site. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes it more likely that we will qualify for cleanup funds. Okay. Because some of these cleanup funds are tied through deed or sure. tied to job creation. Mm-hmm or uh, improving the tax base. We also have a handshake agreement with Rice County to act as the conduit for funds Mm -hmm. that would come in. We didn't didn't have that before. Uh, And um, we're actively, we're we're getting interest from companies in locating there. So I think the chances that over the next five years, ten years, we will find somebody who who is willing to interested in taking that land because it's going to be inexpensive. Uh huh. It's going to take some time to cap. They've got the time. It sounds to me, and and please tell me if I'm I'm wrong. This situation is costing Bridgewater Township a fair amount of money, which surprises me because when we're when we talk about the problem we talk about super fund right which i mean just based on 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 the title would think oh we got it there the federal government has a whole lot of money to pay to clean this stuff up but that's not that's that's not what you're describing to me my 
until something activates on that area, the there just doesn't sound like there's a lot of money flowing to clean that stuff up. Am I wrong about this? Well, uh, you're wrong about part of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Great. So, so this is not costing Bridgewater a lot of money. That's good. Okay. That's that's. So good. we we spent about eight thousand dollars to have the phase one study done. Okay. That, and that was 2010, 2011. Uh, we haven't spent money on this since then. Okay. We have sitting in a bank account about half a million dollars, which is what has come over the years from the Rice County Landfill mm -hmm. funds, the host fee fund, it's called. Mm -hmm. And that money is restricted to be used for landfill remediation. Okay. And it can be used for remediation on this Superfund site. Okay. So if we need to contribute 10% or 20%, that's where it's coming from. Okay. And that's not really costing us money. I mean, that's money we can't use for anything else anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, 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 the challenge here is really sort of the organizational complexity. Yes, of dealing with the township, a governmental entity, a couple of governmental entities, a couple, a, a business yeah. which has we need in the pipeline, right, to activate things, as you said, and the landowner, yeah, private property, private on top property, of everything owner. else. So, so it invariably gets complicated as you move along here, right, and. Uh, Difficult sometimes sort of to keep the gears meshing. <laughs> People always have other things to pay attention to, and when you sort of run into a, a, a slow period with this, it tends to just kind of fall apart. Yeah. How, how does the current landowner feel about I mean, it sounds like they've got a safety exit here. If they can sell the land to somebody, they get a letter that says they're not responsible anymore. How does that? Well, the buyer would get the letter. The buyer gets the letter that they're not responsible, yeah. but the seller doesn't get a, an escape right. clause. Oh, so they are in a hard place. The 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 the, the policy is that that the, the the landowner may not benefit from the cleanup of the land. Is that is that my understanding? If it comes from government funds, if that's it, right. Right. Okay. So, um. But that landowner could still, I mean, sell the land for market value to this company or whatever, and then the company. Well, and the, I mean, I'm 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 getting a little confused in the in the in the yeah. So so here's here. so the family very much wants this cleaned up. Sure, and uh, the the complication comes if if they're going to sell the land, let, let's just say to a trucking company. Mm -hmm. The trucking company gets an appraisal. Mm -hmm. So what do you think the appraisal is going to be for a toxic? <laughs> Not as <laughs> high as, uh, as what, what, what? So farm, <laughs> farmland is no. selling right now for fourteen, fifteen thousand. 15,000. Land in our industrial district is selling for, uh, let, let's say, 40,000 an acre. Okay. Uh, this this isn't going to be appraised at no okay <laughs> that okay. price all right all right okay sometimes I just need to have this all laid out for yeah me. that's good mm. okay but once once it is cleaned up in some fashion there's some remediation done mm -hmm. the trucking company has used it for a decade and they sell it they they can profit they can profit from it sure from it. okay okay. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring in my planning commissioner hat. As a planning commissioner for two local jurisdictions and as a conservative, I find that I'm often the voice of the future ain't what it used to be. And this is kind of an example of that. In the old days, having a dump was an improvement over just having ditches. And now we've become even more aware, as, as Glenn pointed out, as we learn more, we become more cautious about some of our thinking. So the question is, I want to base my decision-making for public policy in facts, science, and data. But almost as important is to figure out how history can inform our thinking as we move into the future. So 
if you had been a township supervisor in the 50s who was aware of what we now know, in other words, if you had been on the leading edge of understanding pollution and what we were doing, um, how would you have tried to move the body politic? How would you have tried to approach getting that message into the thinking of the 1950s era state level and <laughs> county level people? Well, I mean, I, I think you, you sort of hit, hit on it there is that uh, town, townships now and then had really little political pull. Mm-hmm. And something on this scale really does need to be managed at the level, probably at that time, of of the county. Sure. I mean, Northfield at that time was was probably what six thousand people. Mm-hmm. It's a little town. Dundas is probably five hundred. Uh, they don't have all that much pull or resources either. Uh, so I I think having an effect. On the, on this scale, in those years, would have really relied upon having a few uh, county commissioners who saw the need for this. Right, uh, and you also have other infrastructure that needs to happen. You you, you need to have a company that has garbage trucks that's going to drive around and pick up stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, because that's the problem. Is do you think that in our? I mean, you're you're an active politician. Um, do you think that in our current environment we're missing things like dumps? Is there something that we're doing today that needs that kind of thinking and we're not doing it? Well, sure. Okay. <laughs> You're in the citizens' climate lobby. I mean, we're, 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 we're pumping stuff into the air at a rate that by 2030 will bring us to where we thought – we would hope we would be in 2100. We're going to be there 50 to 70 years earlier. And it's going to be really a pretty unpleasant situation. Well, you know, uh, going off script again, the, yeah. president, the president just made some comments about immigration. And I'm going to be writing an op-ed that's going to point out that the real immigration problem isn't solved by fixing governments because you can't fix the climate. And people, there's 1.2 billion people, an estimated 1.2 billion people that have to move. And when they're moving, that's not going to be a very pretty sight. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're dealing with an unpleasant situation now. Yeah. It's going to get dramatically worse over the next decade. Weather, weather is the same way. I mean, the, yeah. the storms we're seeing are gentle. They're causing huge amounts of damage. Oh, I know it. The, what's happening in California is an example. Yeah. What's happening here, the snowfall that we just had, is unusual because basically an atmospheric river ran into the polar vortex right over Minnesota and dumped two feet of snow, or you know, fifteen inches of snow here. So, does Rich usually have this problem of keeping us on track? No, I, I'm the I'm the one that takes us <laughs> off track. Sorry. No, actually, I really appreciate Bruce going off uh, go, uh, because because what we're talking about is the bigger problem here. Yes, I mean, Superfund is uh, or the, the it's the, an example, yes. right? Yeah, exactly. But it's a symptom of a much larger problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the show is public policy, which Indeed. is why I try to drag us down. To what are we going to do next? Right. So, I, well, go, going going back to the landfill issue and yeah. what do we do? Uh, right now, the Rice County landfill, which we all use, mm-hmm. is will probably close. It's projected to close in about twenty years. Okay, and that's based based on a statement from the current manager of the uh, Rice County landfill. So maybe it gets stretched out five years or ten years, but mm-hmm. it is going to close. And what's next? Yeah, then what is not clear. And what's next is not far away, really. Right. Uh, tw- and you know, uh, 20, 20 years to implement a new system is not much. You need to be starting pretty soon. Right. And one of the problems we often have is we accept a solution that we can do easily and we pat ourselves on the back and go, you know, go on about our business. But we're now discovering that plastics recycling is really a, a big greenwash mm-hmm. and that only five, maybe 5%, I'm making up a number from memory here, but 
only maybe 5% of plastic that's supposedly being recycled is actually being reused. And it's very hard to get that. You know, how many people do we have that that are just religiously splitting their garbage into plastic and glass and paper and all over the country who are doing that when it's only really not, it's not very effective on the plastic side. I would, I, I, I would think most communities have gone to mixed use recycling at right. this point. So yeah, I, 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 even if you are separating at this point, it's all going to get mixed back together, isn't it? And then you're not going to be able to recycle the plastics, right? Because they're they're too they're either unusable or or too contaminated. It's it's a tough fight. Mm-hmm. And the policy portion, like your experience with the Rice County dump, is that uh, somebody's going to have to deal with it at some point. Yeah, and I I think I think the challenge, the public policy challenge, is to start dealing with it in a substantive way right now right now as far as the rice county landfill is concerned sure and 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 i look at the five hundred thousand dollars that the township has in its remediation fund Mm -hmm. Uh, my guess is we we could justify using some of that toward figuring out what do we do in the future Mm mm-hmm Start right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for people who are concerned about this kind of a thing or who are hearing this show and thinking, oh, man, we should we should maybe listen to Glenn and start doing something, thinking about this, they should contact their county commissioner, correct? I'd say and, there's, two, there's two things to do to really get something moving. Uh, talk with the county commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Galen mm-hmm. Malika. Galen Malika, who represents Northfield. That's right. Uh, and then uh, come to Bridgewater Township meetings mm. and say, we would like to see some of your remediation money used toward this end. Okay. Okay. So that simplifies things for for the county commissioners. They have a source of funds right. to get something going. Right. And, and the, I think the township would be very receptive to that. So if you want to get things moving... Galen is a very effective person. Yes, he is. If he uh, latches on to something. Yes, we've seen it happen. The chances of him latching on are higher if you can say, here's where the money's coming from. Mm -hmm. And that's why to go to a Bridgewater, a couple of meetings. And I'll point out that this, something similar to this happened in about 2012, 2013, with regards to uh, flooding. So... The Spring Creek area in Northfield used to have tremendous flooding problems with modest rains. Mm-hmm. People's basements would have water yeah. because the water table is within about a foot of the surface there. Yeah. A lot of the water is coming from Spring Creek in Bridgewater, about two-thirds of the water, and another one-third is coming from Northfield Township. So we had a special meeting on what are we going to do about flooding in the township. We'd had 300-year floods over the couple of years. We have six people in the back whom we don't recognize. (laughs) We come to the end of the meeting, and they're asked, you know, who are you and why are you here? And they get up and say, well, we're Spring Creek Neighborhood Association. Uh, We have this problem. The water's coming from you. you know, we've been to other governments around and we're, nothing is happening. Yeah. And we were able to use that to get about $1.5 million in DNR funds to create a holding pond and sort of restructure some things along the waterway. We put in two holding ponds and it made a tremendous difference. Well, as a resident of the Spring Creek area, I would like to thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So something similar can happen here. I mean, yeah. It would happen eventually through the county, not through the township. Okay. Uh, that's the appropriate thing. But I think we, at this point, have a very uh, competent and professional group managing the landfill who mm-hmm. would be quite receptive to saying, okay, let's look at what we do when this uh, when we have to wind this one down. Right. Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's all about being willing to look at the consequences while you can do something about it rather than waiting until the water's in your basement. That's right. That's right. And, and 10 years ahead of time is not too soon. <laughs> not at all. No, it's not. For no. the, it's a huge problem. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, conclusions? Yeah. I usually ask our guests at this point if yep. there's any popular movie that gets across the point they've been trying to make. I can't imagine that there's a popular movie out there about dumps. <laughs> well, there's Aaron Brockovich. I was going to ask about that. And yes. Love Canal. Right. And Love Canal. Right. Yeah. Right. So there you go. There's your, your movie for the week. <laughs> are, are, are they, are, did, did they make the right points? I mean, are they, are they, uh, did, did Hollywood, uh, uh, <laughs> dilute those, those points too much or, or emphasize certain points too much? I, I, you know, I don't know. I was watching Julie Roberts and yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> I That's, kind of got distracted <laughs> from the main points. Oh dear. Well, <laughs> all right. All right. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. I just, <laughs> really has. we're going to have you back. I'm sure. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're out of time, and so we have to end our program. I want to thank you for the conversation and your thoughts this morning. Um, Rich? Uh, Glenn, thank you very very much for uh, for being here. Bruce, thanks for uh, for putting all this together today. Uh, for all of you out there, uh, we will be back next week on Public Policy This Week talking about uh, – uh, state policies, Minnesota state policies, as they are uh, uh, applied to craft distilleries and craft breweries. Yeah, and guess who gets to be a co-host for the brewery school? <laughs> the, the guy from Wisconsin, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining us today for Public Policy This Week. We'll be here again next Friday at 10 a.m. Have a fantastic Friday and a superb weekend. Enjoy that snow. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from kymnradio.net.